You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Friends, fans, and foes, it's time once again for Never Sleeps Network's Talking Wrestling, and I'm your host, Casey Corbin, and thank you for joining us today on the podcast. But before we get to the podcast, you know what we got to do. If you could just hit us up on some of those social media places, on the Twitter, we are at TNWPod. Give us a tweet, give us a follow, uh, let people know where we are. Uh, you want to send us an email for the Q&A coming up very soon. You want to hit us up on TalkinWrestling at gmail.com. Uh, we are also at Facebook backslash TalkinWrestling. We are also on Instagram, uh, on the old Instagram. That's where you can find us at uh, Talking Wrestling Podcast on Instagram. Uh, we're on Spotify. Give us a follow. Put us on a list. Give us a favorite. Do whatever. Let people know that you listen to the show um, and then you enjoy it. Um, yeah, Spotify, so check us out there, Talking Wrestling. And, uh, of course, if you're on Apple Tunes, iTunes, or whatever, if you're on the Apple Music, we are also on there. Uh, we're basically Google Play, Stitcher, wherever popular podcasts are found, you can find Talking Wrestling. Uh, we are somewhere around there. Also, if you are on uh, iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, uh, give us a five-star rating and a favorable review. We will send you a postcard from the 80s. If we find you, then we will send that postcard to you, uh, or we will try to get a hold of you and try to, you know, ask you what kind of wrestler you'd like, because we have many wrestlers from 1983 and 1984. Uh, postcard wrestler book so with that said folks um we've got a fun episode today uh what can we do we can, i could i can mumble and jumble but i don't have nothing to say so uh you know i just hope everybody is out there i hope you're staying healthy i hope you are uh, you're being uh you know you're you're um of sound mind um I know it's it, things are tough. However, um, you know, hopefully you can listen to this show and escape and realize uh, uh, life might be bad out there, but it's not bad all over. Does that make sense? I don't know. I'm not a therapist. I'm just a guy with a microphone that's here to talk wrestling. With that said, um, this gentleman today, uh, I got hooked up. I got set up. I got set up on a talking wrestling podcast date. Um, no, this was like... Basically, my friend said, you know who would be good for you? My buddy. And then he told me about his buddy, and I said, I'd like to talk to him. So uh, we met on Facebook. Uh, the, my buddy Jason Blanchard introduced us on Facebook. He told me uh, a quick story on Facebook. I said, good to go. You're perfect for the show because I love talking wrestling, and I can talk wrestling with anyone. And this proves it. This gentleman is a stranger, and now we're friends. Thank you, wrestling. So today, 
I have a, a veteran comedian who tours uh, cruise lines for Carnival, and uh, and he's a comedian who's been doing comedy over 25 years. He's also been involved with wrestling, being a ring announcer, and getting in the ropes as a wrestler himself uh, at various times. Uh, we hear the stories, and we talk wrestling today with comedian Al Ernst. So uh, let's take it. Let's take it to Casey, who's got Al on the line right now. Take it away, Casey. All right, folks, with me at this time in studio from his studio via social distancing <laughs> due to COVID-19 regulations. Uh, we are here on uh, Talking Wrestling Never Sleeps Network, and I am your host, Casey Corbin. And with me is comedian uh, and a new friend of mine, Al Ernst. Al, thank you for joining us on the show. Dude, it is, it is an absolute pleasure to, to hook up, hook into this. I mean, uh, being a comedian and a wrestling fan and, re- you know, in the business, my life, you know, anytime, any, anytime you're, we're all family. Awesome. And Al, uh, now I am up in Canada. I am uh, in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. It's funny because uh, last year at this time, well, earlier than this year, last year, we were the home of SummerSlam and it was right. the best summer ever here. And now, uh, you know, the world has changed and, uh, (laughs) you know, and, and all the floor, all the wrestling stays in Florida and you get it all. So, but, but but you you can't can't see, I mean, I I see it just like you see it, you know, you can't, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're actually, you know, you know, they're running SummerSlam from the, uh, arena in Orlando and they're calling this now with the, the Thunderdome or some kind of the big for Sunday, but none of you know none of us can get in there to see it. But we're like, you know, we drive around it. You know what I'm it, saying? It's, it's gonna. Just, I think it's gonna be very similar to um, some of the technology that the NHL is using, where you will see uh, they have screens around half the rink, and right. uh, and when their goals are scored on certain screens, they will show like a grid of their fans all cheering on at home. So I think the WWE is going to attempt to fill three quarters of a stadium with these screens and try to fill a virtual audience in the show where it will be interactive. If they look at the WWE has done so many innovative things in the in the in the um, regards to broadcasting, like if you oh, look sure. at. You look at the sure. first time the XFL was out, all the stuff that the XFL did, and then everything the NFL took from the XFL that's, yep. that's commonplace in the NFL now, like drone cameras and cameras right. over the middle of the field and on-site, like sideline interviews and just everything that the XFL did. Vince is a pioneer. He'll figure it out. Like Even AEW's template, the WWE did it first, and then AEW yep. did their version, and then they improved the WWE version, and then the WWE is trying to get better. But um, I think after seeing what baseball has done, and what and the NBA has done, and what uh, the and what hockey's done, I think this is the WWE is like this is what we have to do to get the people back because there are people that are discouraged with the no fans in the audience and other sports don't need like hockey does not need fans. Like we love fans, 
but as you can see in Arizona, they don't need them. So, right. you know, but they but then you look at uh, baseball, it's kind of nice to have football, you need fans. You know, there are certain sports, but Absolutely. But wrestling is not a real sport. It's a performance art that everything you do in the ring is based on getting a reaction by the fans. That's the right. whole purpose of it. So you can't do it without the fans. So uh, it, well, we are, but we're it's so yeah. tough, right? So, sure. so I think this Thunderdome idea, uh, somebody's had to trademark Thunderdome. Let, Tina Turner I, had I would to. Think, well, you know now, you being a Canadian, you know down here where I'm in Central Florida, you know, we're lightning, you know, lightning through and through. And our our stadium, uh, until it got naming rights, was called the Thunderdome. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, because thunder and lightning go together. Yeah, yeah. We were called, you would go, you know, when I go to see the lightning play, you 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 go to the Thunderdome. Now, how many times have you been to see the lightning play and, you, and uh, all of a sudden, yeah, hold on, all of a sudden you're in the concession stand and three people up in front of you, it's Hulk Hogan waiting to get a hot dog. Has that ever happened? No, no, but you know what it did? I, I was, I got lucky enough one time to get sweet, to get a suite at the stadium. Yeah. And I came, I was coming out of my suite out of there and out walked Randy Savage, Hulk Hogan, and Kevin Nash in their, in, in all their NWO stuff coming out of the suite about two suites down from from me and i was i was an instant fanboy moment hold on did you say it was only two suites down thank you yeah i was over <laughs> yeah two sweet down yeah. two sweet maybe it was yeah. too sweet yeah. all right yeah yeah that's so great. that yeah that was i mean they were very accessible obviously cuz hogan and savage now you got to understand Randy Savage was two. I graduated from now where I live, came back to Sarasota, Florida. I graduated from Sarasota High. Randy Savage graduated from Sarasota High three years. I was a freshman when he graduated, was a senior in high school. And and he got signed by the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah. So you would have saw him, you would have known he was probably on the baseball team at your high school. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and and just you know, I mean, you know how they say your your character, your character is you times ten yeah. when you go out on. I mean, that's exactly what he he wasn't a bad guy, but everything, every interaction, and I had just a few. I was a freshman, you know, so I I may you know have a few rocking by, but everything was intense, and you always got that that energy even in high school around him was just very intense all I just, the time. I just think he is a very intense person. He has very intense eyes. He, he looks very yep. intense. And, uh, you know, and, like, everything he did in the ring was bigger than life. Like, he walked on his toes for a reason, you know. They, he, he puffed right. out his chest and he and he hulked out his arms, you know. Where yep. he, like, even he lived bigger than what he was. And, uh, you know, and... The whole attitude behind the Macho Man and the whole gimmick, it was uh, good from the get-go, you know? Oh, it was, hey, it, it was kayfabe, you know, 24, but you know what? When I was trained, 
in the Indies in the, you know, and this would have been the mid eighties um, and the business had been exposed. I was still trained in cafe, you know, completely. Yeah. And uh, uh, great. You know, when you start talking about that energy, I'll give you one really interesting story. I was with, I was, uh, we were going, I think Abdullah, the, well, I know. Abdullah, the butcher. Hold on. You're frozen up right for a second. There we go. Okay, so uh, I'm sorry. That's all right. Yeah. They, they, don't be sorry. It's the Zoom that does this. Uh, the yeah. Zoom froze you at Abdullah the Butcher. Now, what were you saying about? Okay, that? well, we were going. We were going to work in Independent, and Abby was in the car with us in the van with us, and he was in the front seat on the passenger side. And back in those days, there was no automatic toll booths. You had to go pay your money yeah. when you go on a toll road, right? Okay. So we we're all talking basically as regular human beings and we're coming up to the t toll booth and he's punching the, one of the other jobbers and going, slow down, slow down. And nobody knows why. And he turns back, grabs his gear, puts his headdress on and starts rolling his eyes and doing the whole thing. And, and, just for the toll booth person that was leaning down, looking into the car at taking our toll money. He did all that to make sure. And, and as we drove on, I said, what he says, champ, you always call everybody champ, champ. You got to live the gimmick. You got to live the gimmick. And if, if there was one, Abby was the guy who just li lived the gimmick. So basically he got through the, t the toll guy saw him. Saw Abdullah, right. and then like just let him go. It's Abdullah the Butcher type yep, thing. Yep, just let us. He looked down, and I was trying to hand him the dollar. Yeah. And he's like, oh, "You guys just go." You <laughs> no. Know? And Abby's got the headgear on, and he's rolling his eyes, and all that scar tissue's moving around. Yeah. You know, you know, and and uh, and he just told us. He said, "You know, if you want to make, you know, and everything in the when I got on that side of the business was completely about." You know, there was no, there was no, you know, like you talk about performance art. The only thing they talked about was butts in the seats, getting over. Yeah. Because the more you put in the seats, the more money you made. And really, that was the measure of being, a, a you know, I mean, yeah, there were workers, what we used to call carpenters, you yeah. know, that were like really good wrestlers that could put somebody over. But the whole idea was get somebody that can put butts in the seats so we can get paid. And and Abby was absolutely, I mean, and he was brought up old school. Like, you know, I got to know a lot of stories from behind the scenes from um, Johnard Soley, who's Gordon Soley's son, uh, the famous uh, wrestling announcer. Well, Georgia, Florida, just about everywhere. Uh, Johnard, believe it or not, and we talked to Jason Blanchard sometime about it. Johnard's a stand-up now. He's doing comedy. Okay. And uh, and he and I got to be just great friends. And he told me the story in a, in the Florida territory where there was a big um, big feud between Eddie Graham and I want to say Dory Funk Senior, the father, not not Junior Terry. So this goes way 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 back. Okay. Okay. Anyway, long story short, but it's a great story. 
they they were co-promoting the Florida Territory at the time, so they would have to meet. They wanted to meet to do their their money, do all the stuff like that. Yeah, their business. So literally, yeah. one would have to sneak to the other one's house to to meet. So one time they're in their little meeting, and the postman shows up with a box with a delivery, and and. Uh, he opens the door and sees these two hated arch rivals in the same house having a meeting. And the next thing you know, <laughs> this is just great. Dory Funk jumps over the top of the table and just starts punching Eddie Graham going, I told you, you never come to this house again, never. And they, they did a rollout. They did a walk and brawl all the way out to Eddie Graham's car with the postman standing there watching this walk and brawl. And he's like, I told you, get your, get, get out of here. And, and uh, he skids away. The postman just is startled, gives him his package. 20 minutes later, the phone rings and he goes, okay, is it good enough for me to come back? Okay. I'll be back in a minute. And he just <laughs> drives back, drives yeah. back to the house. And does the business. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. That's insane. That is insane. That's so funny uh, that that happens. Now, how um, now where did you when you when you trained for the Indies, where did you train and who did you train with and uh, where did you uh, wrestle mostly? Well, this was way, you know, and look uh, for all your listeners. Listen, let's you know, I'm I'm pretty humble when it comes to all this and, and just know, you know, I was, I was jobber supreme and I was an indie guy. I started, believe it or not, as a ring announcer. And what I, at the time, this was before I was doing stand up comedy full time. I was the director of our local YMCA, which was in South part of the Southern part of Atlanta. So as a branch, why a lot of the wrestlers would would come to the Y on their days off because we had a great weight room to work out. And I get, you know, of course, I'm 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 fanboy, you know, I'm fanboy and like crazy. And they said, hey, you know what, Al, you're a great guy. Um, We're going to do we're going to do a night of matches at your Y gym to raise money for the Y. You know, we'll split it 50-50, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I only have one request, and that is I get to be the ring announcer. I I, I mean, that was, to me, yeah. I mean, I was a big guy, lifted. I'm like, you you know, you and I have the same the same kind of build, you know. I, I bet I never, you know, I never thought of being in the ring itself except for doing that. Yeah. So they gave me the job. We had this big night. We, we had more people than we ever but I knew them all because they were members of the YMCA and their parents and kids and everything. So I didn't, I wasn't nervous. And I went out there and, you know, Greg, uh, who's a Greg Hudson, who's the, um, or no, whoever the AEW uh, ring announcer is now, but you know, he's got that big bellicose mm-hmm. intro kind of, you know, and of course I can't, you know, I hammed it up like nobody's business because I had all my people in there. And at the end of the night, the promoter comes up, we settle out and he goes, listen, you, you did a great job. You know, here, you know, here's a couple. And he says, would you like us, you know, you want a side gig? You know, we do a lot of these local, 
places in and around Georgia, you know, I'll put you in, you know, and you'll get, you'll get paid. And I said, sure. So, you know, I'm picking up, you know, I mean, we're not talking, you know, we're talking hundred, hundred, 300 people if we're having a great night. So obviously I'm not picking up much more than 25, 50 bucks, but I'm having the time of my life. Yeah. And, and, uh, one, he says, it's time to set you up into an angle or, you know, or what they now call a storyline. I mean, mm. I'm really, I, I'm, I, I apologize to your younger listeners. You know, I'm still using the old school terms, but That's all it, right. was, it used to be, we, we, it was an angle. And he said, what we're going to do is we're going to have you announce, um, you know, bad guy's going to come in and he's going to give you a, just a forearm smash before you can even get his name out. Like he's just the, this wild, wild man on attack. And it happened, it happened to be Abdullah. Okay. And he said, then, and then we're going to, he, you'll take the bump. We'll teach you. And then he was a, he was feuding against a guy who was known as Mario in the WWF eventually. In fact, he just passed away. His name is Nick Busick. Uh, but at the, at the time he was big bully Busick. Um, he was feuding. And he said, Nick's going to come in and do the save. I'm, 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 I'm hip. I'm figuring these guys are my friends. You know, they're all really nice to me. Once I get past it, everything's cool. Well, I, I'm ready for the forearm. And in fact, he even spoke to Abby, but I got to tell you, dude, even at a Y, a YMCA gym or a skating rink or a church parking lot, when these guys go into, I mean, go into mode. Yeah. They're in, I mean, I don't care where it is. And I start, I know it's coming. He comes rolling up there. He doesn't clothesline me. He picks my big butt up and throws me out of the ring, onto the onto the cement, onto the floor. Oh, shit. And, I mean, I wasn't ready for that bump, so I sold it because it hurt, yeah. you know? And, um, and so Nick comes in, and, and they're both kind of looking at me, and, and I think it was kind of an initiation, kind of a rib. And uh, at the end of the night, the promoter again, he goes, he goes, listen, you took that bump. Great. And I said, yeah, that's because it hurt. You know, of course I took it. I mean, I did. I, I mean, I had ice pack on my back and, you know, yeah. and everything else. He says, you know what, you know, we're going to be doing, we got, we just got TV. And at that time, you know, in the States, they had those local cable like inner cable television stations, yeah. or, you know, community broadcast. So anyways, he says, we, you know, we're going to train you a little bit. We may put you in some battle Royals and stuff like that, where we need numbers. So sure. And so Nick Busick, essentially, I mean, he trained me how to, you know, do a lockup to call some moves, do all the, do all the basics, you know, not, not very well. And it was, but I did the best I could and I was still ring announcing. And one day we were getting ready for a four show TV taping. And one of the, one of the jobbers didn't come. There are no cell phones back then. Yeah. He just didn't show. And the guy comes up and goes, you got your, you got your gear. 
Oh yeah, they always told me it's in the trunk. Always bring You're up. Gear. You're the inferno. Yeah. You're going. And next thing you know, I could, I was, I was, I was, I could listen. There is no. Uh, they, I know the big controversy about uh, Shawn Michaels on Monday taking all that, not selling Randy Orton's mm-hmm. uh, moves. Yeah, I could. I I sold, dude. I could sell. The more the more you sold, the less you got hurt. Is what I learned. Yeah, and and so guys loved working with me because they let me get every now and then get a little offense in, and then but I I could sell. I could sell like crazy. So, mm-hmm. well, that's the key. So, the key is, yeah. is selling, right? If you don't sell, yeah, how do you make your opponent look good? You know, if you if right, you know, and that's what you've hit the nail on the head. See, you under you understand the whole key to this isn't you know when you're when you're that that other guy. I want look. I just want butts in the seats. Yeah, I don't care if you come in to see me or the other guy, but I. But if we don't put somebody over, if we don't make them the star, yeah, nobody's going to show up. Yeah, and, and so so when coming up in the in in the south, you said mostly uh, you watch you grew up watching Florida and uh, yeah. WCW as well as Mid South. Uh, yeah, who are your favorite guys coming up then? Uh, and oh, there? well. well. See, you're a youngster when you started to tell me some of your guys in Florida. But, I mean, I go all the way back. I go back to growing up with the uh, the Jack Briscoe, Dusty Rhodes, Dory Funk Jr. Um, man, when, I mean, when Dusty turned, uh, when he was teaming with Gary Hart and on Pac Song and did the big turn into the good guy becoming the American dream. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I mean, good golly. That was, I mean, you again. You you all you are from different the Montreal territory. You're Stu Hart. You've got that tradition. What that that age time we had one sports team in the entire state of Florida besides college football, and that was the Miami Dolphins. I mean, there was no Lightning. There were no Panthers. There was no Jacksonville Jaguars. There we had nothing. We had no Orlando Magic. It was NASCAR. Well, actually, it wasn't even NASCAR. It was uh, dirt track. Yeah. The sort of, you know, speedway racing and pro wrestling. And uh, uh, it was uh, those were those were my my developmental days of growing up and really getting to know uh, that. And then when cable came into play. Yeah. And you were getting Georgia at that point. Then you picked, you know. Then I picked up on a whole new squad of of uh, of heroes. But I'd have to say, of course, I was a Dusty Rhodes mark, you know. And I, I don't like that word, but um, to the to the nth degree, I loved I loved Big Dust, and um, I was I was always a fan of the heels that stayed heel. Where where I went to wrestling. We had every other week Saturday night wrestling in our little arena in Sarasota. And a lot of the wrestlers would come out of the dressing room. You know, you, that was when you had a separate heels and faces um, dressing room. And they would come out to watch other people's matches. 
Well, um, of course, they had security that kept all the, the kids like me away, but there was a couple of great heels that, man, if you even walked towards that alleyway, they were, I mean, they were scaring the life out of you even even then, you know, the, the great Malenko and all those guys were just, you know, they scared the crap. We'd go up there just to get yelled at by the great Malenko, you know. <laughs> That's great. So, so, you know, hey, I, like I said, I can, I can go on forever with, with that whole group of people, but, you know, Buddy Colt and when, when Buddy Colt's airplane crashed in Tampa Bay, in the early seventies. I mean, as far as we were concerned in this area, you know, that was, I mean, that was the equivalent of viral front page news for any number of days. Yeah. You know? And, um, so, and I know I got to know a guy later on in life, um, who was a, a worker, who wasn't well known as a worker, but he was a pretty good worker. But he, but he was mostly a booker. His name was Louis Tillet. Okay. And and Louis Louis booked uh, the Florida Territory. He booked California uh, at the Olympic Auditorium with the old, you know, John Tulos and uh, and uh, you know that old group. And uh, I was able to go up. Uh, Louis was a comedy fan, and actually I met him. Uh, at a comedy club in uh, in Jacksonville, Florida, and we just became fast friends. And he, you know, he was beyond that stage of his life. But I mean, he and his wife had boxes and boxes. And you know, now you know how I wish you know I could go get a hold of some of that stuff. But you know, about pictures. Yeah. And uh, and he was the he was mostly well known as the. Texas brass knuckles, you know, that was his, you know, because back then we had, uh, you know, you were, if you were the state Florida heavyweight champion or, you know, the Dory Funk Jr. Yeah. Uh, the, the world champion that was wrestling. Now, if you were the brass knuckles champion, you were a tough, you were a badass. You were the tough guy. And uh, he's got a couple of uh, when he worked Texas. He's got a couple of the of the uh, trophies and things like that when he got the when he got the uh, Texas uh, Brass Knuckles Championship. That's crazy. That's crazy. But that's a wicked too. Good old knuckle duster. Uh, yeah, I love it. I love the. I always liked uh, you know whenever uh, wrestlers would use a, a roll of quarters or yes. something like that, like. Um, Jerry Lawler, I remember when he beat. I think yeah. when he beat Kurt Henning for the AWA title, after yes. after seventeen year career, he just finally won the world title, and after beating everybody in Memphis, and uh, you know, and he did it with a, a handful of quarters. And I love, yes, I love the 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 the. You hear the smack, and then the quarters are everywhere. You know, <laughs> everywhere, so they, yeah. You know, and uh, the ref was like, well, "Come, the ref's groggy," because obviously there was a bump involved. <laughs> And uh, can't count, and then, but the nobody grabs the quarters at the end. And uh, you know, as a kid, I'm like, that's a lot of arcade games. So <laughs> you know, like, that's that's uh, I can count at least ten games of Pac-Man. Come on, get those, pick up those quarters. So you know, 
That <laughs> That's was, great. That was wrestling in the 80s well, to me. But don't you just love, though, that when the referee would look down and see something, and then the bad guy, whoever did it, would do the whole shrug of the shoulders and, like, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know where these came from. Yeah, I and the other, guys, the other guy's yeah. out cold. And it's yeah, like, I don't uh, know. I mean, it was just. I mean, you you just had to love that that whole era of and and I and I would say that of yes, time. You know, I understand that times changed the whole business. I mean, I watched the entire yeah. business evolve yes. over time, and you can't go back to those. But you know, as a kid, and even as a young, there was a point where I knew something was up but I didn't care and I could just make that suspension of disbelief happen. Yeah. yeah. And well, we do it with and, Christmas, right? Everybody does yes. it with Christmas. Christmas, yes. uh, yeah. until, Christmas till some point is magical and mystical and it's amazing. That's right. And then all of a sudden one day you figure something out and then it yeah. just becomes another, it, it, it takes a whole new form and becomes right. something completely different, but you still celebrate yes. it if you celebrate. And that's the, yeah. that's the way wrestling is where it was what we thought it was, was what they presented. Right. But then now it's like we watch for the stories behind the stories. We watch for what's going on behind the scenes and what the dirt sheets say. And, and as an adult, you watch for the work rate or the type of matches they're doing or the difficulty to do. Like there's so many reasons to watch wrestling as an adult or to like it wrestling as an adult that you didn't – you know, as a kid, it was just good guy versus bad guy, and that was a story. That's right. But now it's yeah. it's an art, and you watch the art, and you and you observe it, and you can, you know, you can critique it, and you can uh, debate it, and uh, you know, it's 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 such a beautiful sport, uh, entertainment. You know, and uh, yeah, I, I I totally agree with you. You know, I think the athletes, obviously, I mean, the athletes are doing things that the wrestlers themselves are doing things that I can't, I can't even fathom. I mean, you know, you can go from, you know, the Sean, you know, uh, Gargano and that whole group at NXT. Uh, well, I mean, even Seth, even though I'm not really enamored with Seth Rollins's character, yeah. but listen, the guy, the guy can work like on, I mean, he's just an unbelievable worker, Yeah, you know? Um, I get all those. My thing with 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 well with really with with both organizations that are out there now is I'd like them to still tell me stories. You know, mm. they're not. I mean, I think you know they think they've got to make a story a uh, like a two week story. You know, whereas don't you remember? I mean, you you had you know you, you had guys up there with the Rougeaus and that old group. You know, you would have Dino Bravo. You'd have months-long stories that went to, you know, the the blow-off oh, yeah. cage match or whatever it was. Yeah. at the finish. Yeah, it you, was, know? you know, it was the the you know the 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 story would take place over five or six weeks. You know, because you keep right. going, you'd hit that circuit. You could go back and hit those towns, and okay, this week, uh, you know. Um, this is where the initial uh, event between the two guys happen. And then the next week you come back and they have the, the contract signing. And the next week they come back right. and they have the match. And then the right. first match is a count out. So they have to have the rematch. There you, you go. Know? And it's about yep. building it up to eventually 
you get to the cage match or to the uh, you know, yeah, whatever whatever, it, whatever yeah. special rules match it is. The stipulation, yeah. There's a stipulation, there's no ref, there's no hair, you know, or whatever and whatever it is. And uh, you know, and, and and depending on the winner of that match, you can decide where to go from there. And it's just about building uh heat and building characters and building storylines. I think Yeah, uh, I just I I'm too missing. old, you know. I want it I want it slowly developed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's my thing. I want it. I want to see that development. I don't want it all in one. No. You know, in well, one serving. Well, that's what I enjoy about AEW is because they start fresh, and they have okay. They have Chris Jericho. He's a legit star. And then, oh, yeah. and then you know, and then everybody on a level underneath them. Dean Ambrose. Okay, he's he's. Pretty much a Chris Jericho level. Uh, Cody Rhodes, a little bit lower. Just a little less. You know, just a little less. Uh, The Young Bucks are huge on the indie scene, but on the pro wrestling, on the WWE scene, that's not that great. It's it's a little less than Cody and Kenny. Right. And Kenny's a star in Japan as well. Right, yeah, I was going to say, who even heard, I mean, besides those of us that watch the business close, who, who who would know a Kenny Omega, which was supposed to be, I mean, obviously they're saving him, but my biggest, I mean, but, but your biggest surprise on AEW uh, as far as that, don't you think they, I, I would have thought they would have highlighted Omega more well, to I, this place. I than, think, I think they would have, but for what, you know, okay. So like, look, look at how much Cody has been featured there. Are, yeah. I know there, are, I have friends that, can't stand that the young bucks and kenny they all have had uh, their fair share of losses as well as wins and the and kenny wrestles in tags and in singles but what i find is i i really find that the they keep the the statistics they keep on the matches like the the wins and losses right that's what like you can lose a match and in the WWE, you're like, fuck, they're burying him. And it was like, well, no, he still has an eight and three record. He's okay. Like, right. so you, you, I think with the records, the, the old traditional way of, of, oh my God, this guy's lost four matches in a row. But then you look at his overall record, it's like he can go, a, a team can go on a five game losing streak and still be okay. You know? You yeah, can, absolutely. In the playoffs, you can lose three games in a row. You just can't lose four. You know, so yeah, it's uh, so I think with that the burying, I'm not I, at first. I'm like they're not giving Kenny enough wins or whatever, but they're focused right now on building stars. And like, for example, um, Sammy Guevara is a perfect example of someone who I did not like. When Jericho built that stable, I'm like looking at these guys, yeah. and I was like, you know, I'm looking at them, and it's like. Every stable, there's one guy that's going to rise out at the end of it and be the best guy, and it's usually the younger one. And I look in, and I couldn't believe it's Sammy Guevara, Sammy. But then, you know, uh, Jesus Christ, don't you know it? Jericho teams up with this kid, and he gets him over. Now, I uh, like Sammy Guevara. I, yeah. You know, this Matt, you know, he the... the 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 chair toss with Jeff, I mean with Matt Hardy, uh, people thought it was reckless. Wow, did he bust him open or what? He, I think, I think Matt Hardy cut himself open 
to be honest, uh, right before. Dude. Yeah, because everybody said the, the the chair toss was reckless, but it wasn't an end over end. It was a flat. Right. This, and right. If, and and if you watch it a couple times, I don't even think the chair hits Matt Hardy's head. And I think I'd have to go. Yeah, I have to go back and look. I think maybe Billy Gunn slips him something, or or he goes over and he hits his head into the ring post first. And I think he might cut cut himself there, or or maybe he, when he's on the ground before the chair comes in. But it's, yeah. but whatever. Like Jericho says, it's a beautiful accident, and a lot. And and everybody knows still to this day, uh, red means green. And yep. uh, you see, you know, and Matt Hardy was just just gushing, which was great. And then Guevara <laughs> comes off with that crazy, what I thought was way more reckless than the chair shot, that crazy fucking twirl, tilt-a-whirl thing <laughs> on him. Yeah. And I was like, Jesus Christ. But I just think it's fantastic how they built Sammy Guevara, how they built, how their Orange Cassidy – is probably the most yeah, popular guy there. And, you know, and he's crossing over where people who don't watch wrestling see this guy. They're like, what's this guy? And they're like, oh, it's Orange Cassidy. And he's like, why does it look like he doesn't care what's going on? Because he doesn't. That's his thing. That's, yeah. And they're like, he doesn't care? And I'm like, no. And they're like, does he wrestle with his hands in his pockets? Yes, he does. <laughs> you know, like, and, it, and it's like, and I'm like, and everything's an effort to him. And again, uh, at first, didn't think it would ever get over, but then you put him in a feud with Jericho, and Jericho will get that guy over. So, you uh, know. Jericho's Jericho's a master. I now there's another brush with fame I had. I actually uh, I actually had seats two rows behind him at a lightning awesome. game. Yeah, so got to go over and and talk. And actually, he, I mean, he was you know, of course. It was in between periods because he's he's a intense game watcher. But uh, he uh, he actually took a couple minutes because I told him you know told him I had been in a business you know on the fringes of the business a little bit and everything and real really really good dude really nice dude. I uh, I've been lucky enough to um, uh, see his band Fozzy twice in concert and the ticket yeah. to see them is only forty dollars. But if you do the meet and greet. You get uh, you get a private concert. You get to meet the the band. You get one on one time. You get pictures with them, and so I did two meet and greets in the same week, and you got to hang out with Jericho on two different days. And it's just like this is it's easier to get to Jericho through Fozzie than it is to get to Jericho through wrestling. So if you're a wrestling yeah, fan, yeah, that makes sense. Drop the drop the money. Go to the concert. And uh, yeah, I have a little fuzzy corner up in my corner of my room, up in here where you can see there's like uh, Jericho's first Raw cover. He signed it Y2, yeah, yeah, and he signed it Y2J for me as well as Chris yeah. Jericho, which is great because he just said recently he does not want to be called Y2J anymore. He does not want to be. He doesn't want to yelled at his fuzzy concerts. Y2J is is dead. Uh, he's Le Champion. Um, and then there's two pictures, <laughs> two pictures from the meet and greets with the band. Uh, one picture all signed by the band. I got the album signed, and then I, I cut out a picture of me and him out of one of the pictures. So it's like Jericho Corner. Uh, That's awesome, man. I, I love. Yeah, it's a, it's a, 
I just love Jericho, and I love how he gets guys over, and that's like, you know, and he he'll lose to guys like Orange Cassidy. He 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 doesn't mind being made the fool, and uh, because he knows Chris Jericho's got a name that's like it's untouchable, you know. So right. it, it doesn't matter, and I think uh, you know, and I think that that way, you know, I think Kenny Omega is going to bounce back. I think uh, especially when they do. When him and Jericho get into their next feud, their next stage, um, I also think the Young Bucks are gonna bounce back. I think the influx of new wrestlers, the WWE guys that they bring in if they choose to, uh, or they, that they have brought in, like uh, the Revival, are already fantastic. Let's see, I, they're my they're my era. FTR can get it, baby. I I love those guys. I like that they've put. Like Arn and Tully back together, sort of. Oh, isn't that so cool? You know, uh, they brought Ricky and Robert out last week, which was great too. Uh, you know, and, uh, and and well, you you talk about somebody who hasn't doesn't lose the gimmick and is is older than both of us. You know, Ricky and Robert just are. They I mean, are. They've, they've well, just never. They've never changed the gimmick. Well, I mean, you know, ever. You, you put a hat. You put a hat on Robert. He looks good. You know, uh, right. he, but he's got the hairline like, uh, like, yeah, like, 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 not, um, I want to say, uh, which Jackson is it? Uh, not Matt, but, um, uh, but the, oh, old, oh. The, the older buck, um, yeah. you know, the other Jackson, he, it looks like, it looks like he has the receding hairline. So he's the Robert and where, uh, you know, but Ricky is just, uh, Oh my God! It's like, <laughs> it's like I know. I, I love the fact that he, I, I mean, I just love the fact that these guys have stuck to what you know their their history of of that is is uh, nothing short of amazing to me. You know, and and the fact that they're still I mean, think about it. Well, I mean, Stan on the Midnight Express side, I know Stan Lane is still in pretty good shape. Yeah. But you know, if you think about some of the other guys that were in that era, man, you know, poor old, um, you know, like Bobby Fulton and, and a bunch of those guys are in bad physical. They're not, condition, you're telling me that they're know? not fantastic. No, no. Well, the, um, let's, um, see, now I'm being an old man. Fulton and Rogers. Who, that wasn't, uh, wasn't yeah, the other one. It was the other Fulton though. Yeah. Yeah. The other fantastic. He, yeah. He, he's passed away. Oh, jeepers. I did not know that. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, and they, and actually they think it has something to do with that, uh, brain, the, the stuff that a lot of these guys end up, uh, you know, committing suicide concussions. and things like that. Doing, doing, yeah. Doing the concussions and stuff like that. Yeah. Did you, and, um, uh, did, when you were coming up in Florida, did you, uh, where the, did you get to see the fabulous ones? Oh, a little, yeah, a little bit. And it's so funny that back then, you know, them with their little, uh, you know, they were one of, they and the Fantastics were one of the first ones to have the music videos. Well, actually, it was, if you can believe it, uh, the first one I ever, of the video outside of WWF would have been um, Jerry Lawler uh, doing to an old Patti Smith song called The Warrior. Okay. And he... And he did the first music video, and he wore he wore like the whole crown and the whole thing mounted on a horse Fantastic. coming to the arena. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I saw I I saw the fabulous ones. Uh, Steve Kern 
is still I I still actually have run into Steve Kern at a couple of comedy events awesome. in this area. That and he's and he's you know really really good guy. And you know who else is is uh, Jerry Briscoe. I mean, Jerry Briscoe is just like one is just one of the nicest people out you know out there. Just uh, undoubtedly, just will. And I mean, and you talk about talking, you know, like I said, like I'm doing right now, talk about talking your ear off. I almost missed my flight out of Tampa. I was, I was, you know, I was going to meet a cruise ship. That's where Jason Blanchard and I have become friends. And I was going to meet a cruise ship and I almost missed my flight sitting there talking with Jerry Briscoe. Cause he just, you know, was just absolutely fascinating. You know, that's so. awesome. That is awesome. I love that. I love that uh, that you you know you almost missed your fight because of Jerry Briscoe, and yep. uh, you know, and he's, he doesn't even have you in a in a leg lock. It's just a verbal hold. No, no, it, <laughs> yeah, I'm good. At, yeah, uh, I I always used to. I love when uh, they he used to say, you know, if I if I'm gonna shoot on you, you'll know I'm shooting. On, you know, I, I if you know you know I'm gonna do it. Yeah, you, you'll feel it. You know, because I mean, those guys. Listen, that that group got trained in a whole different way mm-hmm. because there was so many in-ring politics. You know, just I mean, all the way up from the Luthes, uh, Gorgeous George, and uh, Buddy Rogers times, where you know, if the if the syndicate, if the NWA wanted to change the belt. And somebody didn't want to let it go. You know, it's just like Luthez, you know, told Buddy Rogers as they were doing the pat down with the referee. He said, uh, we can do this the easy way or we can do this the hard way. Yeah. You know, you make your decision. And Buddy Rogers knew damn well Luthez would would tear him to shreds, you know. Yeah. So, you know. That's insane. I I love that because that's what it was like when that's – I think Buddy Rogers didn't want to lose the title, and no. they sent and they oh, sent no. and they sent Bruno in, and Bruno was like, you know, he's like, uh, Buddy, I'm taking the title whether you like it or not, and he and then That's Bruno, right. Bruno beat him in what in under a minute with the backbreaker, yep. and uh, and when it was a shoot, like Bruno went oh, in, absolutely. and you know, and then then all of a sudden, you know, Bruno has the belt for eight eight years, so you know, yeah. Well- well, it's just like I can remember being in the Louisiana Superdome for one of the uh, Mid South um, events, and I, I can I can uh, I hear I you know I'm close enough that and and astute enough because I was kind of in the business you know to drown out crowd noise and kind of hear the guys talking in the ring you know and I I, I heard Jake Jake Roberts. Uh, say something to the effect of the, and I forget who he was. God, I wish I remember. But he, he just, he, they were underneath, and he, he said, he says, look, I'm gonna drop you for real this time if you don't sell this, you know. Yeah. And he, and he, and he, uh, and of course the guy sold it because he knew, you know, if, if Jake drops you, I mean, he knocked, he legitimately knocked yeah. Ricky Steamboat out with a DDT. Oh no, I watched it. I saw it. <laughs> I and not only yeah. that, I've I've talked to both of those gentlemen about that. And really? Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had Ricky. I've read had Ricky on the show, and uh, and he's and you know he's like uh, 
he goes, I thought I could get my hand in. <laughs> you know, he thought he, <laughs> he thought he could he thought he could stop it. You know, he thought he could get his hand in, but yeah. oh boy, you know. But hey, you know, they're a happy accident and they're off to the races. Um, yeah, it's uh, it is insane. Out of Mid South, um, what was your favorite feud out of all the years you watched Mid South? Is it? Oh man, what? that's relative. Well. Um, I, you know, I, I, you know, I was a big, I was a big Jake Roberts, you know, the, the whole DDT stuff. Uh, I, I absolutely loved, um, when my favorite episode in wrestling ever probably was the episode that when Ric Flair was going in for the title and Dick Murdoch, uh, uh, came in and interfered and ran Ted DiBiase's head into the steel ring post and and then supposedly DBI, you know, of course he cut himself, but apparently he cut himself a gusher. And uh and then we don't know if DiBiase's gonna make it back because what had happened was Flair paid off Dick Murdoch to yeah. to get rid of DiBiase. Yeah. Right. And uh and so the end of the the end of the episode was, you know, the where the true the true man comes out and DiBiase comes out all wrapped up and you know and oh my you know and, and the whole thing was just a, a whole oh my god moment fantastic as, and you know the cameras are still rolling but we've got to cut we've got to get away and I mean I mean you were like in this thing because DiBiase make this comeback and then you hear oh but the blood loss the blood loss is keeping him from taking the title from Flair you know and you're just like Ah, you know, so that by by far was my favorite epi- episode. I think my favorite actual feud was when Dick Slater threw the television medallion with the TV title was like a big medallion. Mm-hmm. He threw it off the side of the Arkansas River. Yeah. Uh, in Little Rock. And I've watched that one. He, that was when he was still a dark journey. And uh, Crazy. I, 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 lo- I love that whole. And then it, it, him and Dugan. Now, see, you know, the real hacksaw Jim Dugan was Mid-South. Was I mean, Mid-South. Was, was Dugan, not Duggan. Was, Duggan is WWE. Yeah, Dugan, Dugan right. is Mid-South, yes. Right. Who have and, also, and I've and also worked get, with. Uh, hacksaw. Yeah, oh, have he's, you? Know. He's, a, he's a beautiful, he's He's such a great guy, and yep. uh, he's so good with his fans. And his hand is the biggest thing you can like. That ham hog, I could not even imagine getting hit by it. And I was never uh, a Jim Duggan or Dugan fan, but after meeting him, like I've got part of this job has got me into. Um, I've broken in a lot of wrestlers on their first stand up show like a lot of these wrestlers are doing stand-up tours now spoken word performances rather than yeah. comedy uh i worked with ted uh dibiase that's why i asked because oh, did you? yeah because i wanted i was gonna guess ted dibiase and and jyd um which was like one of the hottest mid-south feuds but i'm glad you did say ted dibiase because he was the mid-south to me and uh and then getting to yeah the wasn't interview. he Getting to interview him. He was him. the epitome of Mid-South. Oh, yeah. And, 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 okay, we'll give you a good one here. And also the worst, the worst live match. Yeah. 
I have ever seen in person was a Bill Watts Mid South creation, <laughs> which which uh, I lived in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. They came to the to the arena, the Baton Rouge Centroplex, usually on a Friday or Saturday night, a couple times a month. Well, the the you know we did get now. Just side note, we did get a couple of the um, the 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 pole, the climbing uh, up the ladder matches, which was yeah. just scared the crap out of everybody. But the the worst single wrestling match I've ever seen, which I thought I had this grand expectation for, was a blindfolded uh, battle royal. They everybody came to the ring and put a blindfold on. Oh my God! And yes, so there's all the guys of the night in the ring with a blind. They can't see. Yeah, they don't know where anything is. And and the deal was they had to, you know, they had to eliminate each other. And nobody, ever, you know, nobody figured it out. I mean, as far as trying to figure out how to run a match, they had no freaking idea. And, and it, it was the worst. I mean, the fans were booing, and and finally Brickhouse Brown just gets tired of it, and he raises his blindfold up and sees everybody, and then starts running around eliminating everybody. That's great. In the ring. That's great. What a heel! Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Oh jeepers. Well, that's pretty much we've run our time. We've. Uh... Oh, I'm sorry. No, yeah, no listen, problem. No problem. You are you you are great. Great, great, great to talk with, and uh, I, I appreciate your podcast, and I will be listening all the time. And uh, you know, po- folks, uh, I, I believe it or not, I've been a full-time stand-up comedian for thirty years, and uh, I've you know, obviously doing all kinds of crazy, weird ways of stand-up right now. But just want to put a little plug in for that, yeah. and uh, also. Let uh, let folks know that uh, your friend uh, and I know you probably mentioned him. Jason Blanchard is was uh, we actually met on. I had been working the ships. He 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 started working. Uh, just a premier funny funny dude and uh, uh, and a great great friend. But uh, check me out. You know it's Al Ernst E R N S T on any of the platforms. The easiest way to do it is just Google it. A uh, few, very few wrestling pictures, to be honest with you, because a lot of the a lot of the taping from those independents way back when are, are just nowhere. It was Georgia All Star Wrestling promoted by Joe Pedicino. Yeah, and 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 what I would give now to find some of those, you know. But uh, the, the, a lot of that stuff doesn't. Uh, you know, at least I haven't run into it yet. A lot of that I've stuff is a lot of a lot of that stuff. They've just grabbed those tapes and taped over them too. Like they right. just didn't even know like what they were taping That's right. over. And well, uh, yeah, yep, yep. You, and you know the other story behind that. And I know we're out of time, but I'll give That's you. All right. This is my all time. This is one of my other favorites. Is you know he did have a, a small network about three stations within the George area that would pick up Georgia All Star Wrestling. But at, but you had to what they called bicycle the tapes from one station to another because you didn't make three ta- you, there was no digital yeah. there was no live so you played that episode one week in that market then it had to go to like say Columbus Georgia 
for the next week. And then it had to go to Albany, Georgia, say the third week. And where, when you come in live, you'd have to know what those people were in the storyline of that particular, because what happened in the Atlanta market, you know, these people won't see for two weeks. Yeah. So you would have to plan your matches around what, 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 what episode they were getting. Accordingly. You know? Yeah. 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 So it was a, it was, you know, crazy time. I wouldn't trade it for the world. They were those guys, some of those guys still to this day are friends. And when I got full time in the stand up comedy, listen, when you, when you're an open micer and you understand this, mm-hmm. when you're an open micer and you can go show up there and you can bring, uh, you can bring Dusty Rhodes, Jack Victory. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. I had Terry Taylor. If you can bring those, they're with me, they're my buddies. You got a good spot on open mic night. Because the word would get out that all these wrestlers were in the audience, and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and the place would fill. And the Booker, the Booker, you know, I sucked. I was a horrible, uh, you know, as, as opening, you know, comic. But because I brought crowds in, he's like every week, Al, guaranteed spot. You don't even have to come in to sign up. Just, just know, just bring your friends, bring, bring your buddies. Awesome. So. So listen, you guys t- take care. Be you know, I always hate to tell everybody to be be safe because you hear that so much all no, the time. No, these it, these days you can't hear it enough. You can't hear it enough. You so. know, you know, just uh, hang in there. We're gonna we're gonna figure it all out, and uh, I will be list. I will be a a. You can tell I love the sport, love the business, I love comedy. Great working with you. So I'll be a dedicated listener, and if there's any anything else I can, or if I dig some of my old stuff out, yeah, I'll let us take know. some pictures and send them and our way. Send them up to you. Awesome, yeah. Al. Thank you for uh, doing this, and it's great meeting you. And this is what the show is about: uh, people coming together uh, through through friends or whatever, meeting new people, talking wrestling, and that's exactly what we did. So thank you for All joining right, us, man. and for Never Sleeps Network. Uh, thank you for letting us put a headlocker in your ears. And until next week, uh, we'll talk to you later from a safe distance, uh, COVID-friendly. Have a great one. Thank you. Thanks, Al. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com.